Well, this year's about time to rewrite the shows and movies that have way too many jokes and not quite enough boobies, and we'll gladly try and tell you just what we'd improve. So come on down to rewrites and hell, what do you got to lose? Hey, everybody, welcome to rewrites. My name is Nathan. I'm coming at you today solo with a recap episode for The Fly 2. This is a movie that I have never seen before. I've seen the original Fly, the David Cronenberg one with Jeff Goldblum, and it's been a little while, but I remember it being pretty crazy. A lot of practical effects, a lot of grossness and weird, awkward Goldblum, which is the best Goldblum. That's the only Goldblum you want. Unfortunately, I don't think he's in this movie, but I have heard that this one's kind of similarly crazy and gross and weird. So we're going to give it a try. We're going to do the normal recap format. I'm going to do 30-minute increments. You're going to hear a musical interlude, and I'm going to come back, and I'm going to talk about what we just watched for the last 30 minutes. And I'm going to do that a few times, and the movie's going to be over. And I'm going to tell you how much I hated it. Um, Hopefully not, though. So sit back, relax, and enjoy The Fly 2. To Fly. That's what they should have called it. Sorry. I'm just, for future reference, if you're going to make a remake of The Fly and then make a sequel to that remake, just call it The the Number 2 Fly. There you go. Uh, Problem solved. All right. See you in a bit. Ew. We just finished the first 30 minutes of The Fly 2. It has been pretty contained in this uh, government building so far. The movie starts out flying to this facility in a helicopter. Shows you just right in from the jump. Just a helicopter flying into a facility. Shows a young lady in an operating table being examined um, by a bunch of, of doctors as she's apparently in labor. And it's got one of those, you know, skybox, all glass looking down views for uh, the big wig of the company, which we see right away staring down and looking sinister. And the woman gives birth to a like cocooned thing. It's, it's like, it's moving around, like writhing around, but it looks partly like a, I don't know, like a bug cocoon, whatever. Given the title of the film, we can probably guess it's something, uh, insect related or whatever but the like uh carapace or whatever the hell you would call it i'm sounding really smart i hope um in my biology terms cracks open and a actual human baby is inside it shows us then um i think the credits kick in and it shows us then that the evil corporate guy is watching as the baby is growing up rapidly one of the scientist people says to him and they have a little child's room set up for him and all that. And he's watching through a, you know, a two-way mirror, one-way mirror. I, I got to figure out which one is which. I feel like that's come up a couple times on the show. But he's staring at him through the, through the glass and decides to go and meet the child. And is surprisingly warm to him. He's actually like a really nice guy. Plays some magic tricks on him and stuff like that. Then it's shown that after a very uh, short passage of time, the child you know, is growing extremely rapidly and is extremely intelligent and all this stuff. 
So when the child is at least the size and like appearance of probably like an eight-year-old maybe, he shows that he has built some sort of special helmet um, that he can like hack into government databases so that he's like, you know, uber smart, all this stuff. The pod, the helmet, the helmet, by the way, looks uh, identical to the pod racing helmet that Anakin Skywalker has in The Phantom Menace. So I'm positive that that stole from this, being as that this is 1989, about 10 years before that. So George Lucas, uh, you have some splaining to do. So with his pod racing helmet, he decides to kind of break out of his room and explore the facility and stumbles upon a secret sector, whatever thing, where they have the two uh, teleportation pods that are the main basis of the story in the first movie. That's how Jeff Goldblum accidentally becomes the flies because he tries to teleport himself from one pod to the other, but there was accidentally a fly inside the pod, so their genetic coding blah, 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 got mixed up, and that's why he's a fly person. The young boy watches as they try to put a dog in one pod, and when it comes out the other side, it's like a demon, gross, monster-y dog that bites a dude's hand off or in half or something, something gross. And the boy screams, freaks out. Uh, the, the people find him and take him away before he sees any more. And then it flashes forward to the child's fifth birthday, which, of course, by now, five years later, he's pretty much a grown man. He looks more like he's 21 or 22, something like that. Um, and it is Eric Stoltz playing that role uh, with some darker hair than I'm used to. I'm used to a little bit more gingery, but... Uh, yeah, he's going a little darker on his hair, probably because he's supposed to be the descendant of Jeff Goldblum and looks nothing like him, even with dark hair. But, I mean, at least they tried, right? So we're showing Eric Stoltz uh, getting his own apartment from the corporate guy, who's still being fairly nice. I mean, these movies usually, you know, they have such a kind of sinister bent to them and all that stuff. But outside of being really nonplussed when the woman gave birth to a giant turd-looking um, monster baby, whatever it was. It, he's been a pretty pretty good guy, I guess. And he even says at one point, oh, uh, call me dad. You know, you should call me dad and all this stuff. So it's kind of like, all right. I mean, I don't know. So, yeah, so we have Eric Stoltz, and he's given his own apartment. The guy's like, oh, now you can just, like, leave the facility and have your own place, but, you know, I want you to try to work for me. So he's, he's, I'm sure he's going to come back as being bad, but he's given him, like, you know, he's doing kind of all the right things. So, I don't know, it's an interesting perspective so far. Um, one of my favorite lines so far is from the evil corporate, or the, you know, supposedly evil corporate guy, as they're in a meeting, you know, they're in, like, a roundtable meeting in some secret room, and they're talking, and he says... Dr. Anderson, you will report to, uh, you will answer to this doctor who's chief of blah, 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 and that person will answer to me, and I will answer to nobody. And I thought that was really funny that he actually explained it like that, and uh, I thought it was actually really funny that he just went ahead and said it that way, instead of just, you know, being a normal person. Um, so some of the writing is pretty stilted but 
I, I at least enjoyed it from a, you know, a comical bent. So Stoltz is given a job. He starts to look at his dad's old footage and interviews and stuff. So, of course, we get some gold bloom on the screen, but it's in video form. So he's not actually there. But, you know, they show his face, you know, and kind of appeasing the audience and all that. And he's trying to work on the pods to uh, get them to transport a human like the original plot. So we've somehow made our way back to the original plot of The Fly with Eric Stoltz as Brundle. And he met a young woman in the office and he's about to show her how he can use the pods. And that's where we left off. And thoughts so far is that, like I said at the beginning, it's very contained. It's really only happened in this facility. So it's kind of like dark. It's kind of like drab um, setting and... You know, they, they've left one time to go to his quote-unquote apartment, which looked outrageous. But other than that, it's all taken place there this first 30 minutes. And so it'd be nice to see a little bit more. Um, so far, the grossness is, is at a minimal. I'm hoping that that changes as soon as humanly possible. And it's also, as I was watching it, realizing I haven't seen a lot of Eric Stoltz movies. I know of him, of course. But he's he's a little bit he's a little bit stiff, but I think that the role calls for it. So I mean, it makes sense that you know a a child that is half fly, half man, and doesn't really have uh, human emotions and all this shit would be Eric Stoltz is what I'm getting at. Um, and it's also interesting to think about that he was originally. Uh, since Jacob's not here, I have to I have to give the fun facts of he was originally going to be. Um, Michael J. Fox's character in Back to the Future, but once they did, you know, some filming of the orig- first original scenes when they did test screenings of it, they were like, oh no, this guy sucks, and so they got Michael J. Fox in there, and then the rest is history, of course, but it's funny to see a, to see Eric Stoltz in this movie play a character named Martin, which they haven't called him Marty yet. But if they do, I'm going to flip out. Like, I'm going to, you know, flip out at this movie. But his name is Martin. And instead of playing Martin McFly, he's playing THE Fly in The Fly 2. So it's, it's maybe it's some wish fulfillment on, on his part. I don't know. Maybe he read that script and was like, this is my chance. I don't know. We'll have to be the judge of that. So... But yeah, that's what we've got so far. Um, Not as much gross shit as I would hope for, but uh, we're going to do another 30 minutes, and hopefully we get some some nasty shit. And uh, yeah, and hopefully we get someone calling him Marty, because then I'll just know that this was complete, you know, made out of complete spite for BTTF. Well, here we are. We are one hour into The Fly 2. And one thing is for certain, Stoltz fucks. The, Stoltz fucks, and this movie sucks. No, um, it, it is pretty boring, though. I, if you're watching along, sorry. Um, <laughs> there's not, there's just not enough, uh, enough craziness. So I'm sure most of you are probably just listening to this episode anyway. This is probably for the best. I'm giving you the best possible experience. That's why these recap episodes are so important to you guys. I think where we left off. Stoltz was showing the girl his telepod thing, a teleport thing. He actually calls them telepods, which is funny. Um, but then 
it it cuts a little bit later to a montage of them like seeing each other and working on the project of the teleporters together and so they're kind of falling in love and then stoltz is taken to a party by her where he sees some other scientists biologists whatever the fuck they are laughing about something and like these people are saying oh you mean it's been alive for two years and you still have got it oh man it's, well. and the this one doctor says yeah we call it timex because it keep takes a lick and it keeps on ticking <laughs> and they're all just like yucking it up and turns out stoltz goes and looks and his little monster doggy friend that they had five years ago or whatever is still alive in like some prison cell whatever the fuck it is and he's basically just like a melted dog and it's really fucking gross and weird looking and he sees him feeding it and he gets all sad then he goes and he uh mercifully kills it with chloroform or he chloroforms it and then kills it i don't really know but anyway it's a really long drawn out scene with eric stoltz petting a practical melted dog like they they really went all out on the effects of a dog that's just like mashed potatoes um it's very weird but not in the fun weird way that i wanted this movie to be it's more just like a okay kind of way so anyway this is happening he gets mad at the girl for it because he associates the other doctors with her they of course they come back together he shows her that he can actually teleport a cat because he's been like it shows him more passage of time like he's been working on it more as soon as he teleports a cat and hands it to her she immediately bangs him like it cuts immediately from him being like yeah i solved the problem with the telepods she's like oh great and then smash cut to smash ing like literally just oh now they're having sex and uh watching eric stoltz in 1989 in a sex scene is really odd because i had to look it up on imdb i had to you know cheat a little bit and i had to look and see how old he was when he filmed this and he was 28 and he looks 15 if he's like a day it's really odd and so to watch him having a sex scene with with a grown woman it's like uh yeah so there's just been a lot of uh <laughs> upsetting upsetting visuals i think in this movie so far um another piece that i had to mention is when i was looking at the imdb one of the first bits of like trivia cuz they have like fun facts and stuff on those pages for actors and movies and stuff and one of the facts, of course, was about Back to the Future. Because that's probably going to be his claim to fame for his whole career, as I was almost Marty McFly. Uh, and by the way, they do call him Marty. So was very excited. I think they called him Marty twice, actually. That like There's a shitty security guard guy that keeps farting around the facility and like being mean to him for absolutely no reason. And he calls him Marty. So, But anyway, the IMDb facts was about him you know almost getting that role and they even make the joke that i just made about you know instead of playing marty mcfly he's playing marty the fly so even though i didn't rip off that joke from imdb i you know it's gonna it's gonna seem like i did and so now the whole thing's ruined so you know much like the experiment of watching uh martin the fly in this movie uh it's all it's all gone tits up i guess anyways so back to the movie he 
bangs the lady. He gets uh, some sort of wound on his arm. I think they're trying to give him an injection and it like gets infected. And so then it shows a really gross effect later of him like pulling pus out of it and it's just all fucked up looking. And so he's starting to get worried that uh, something's going on with him and all the doctors and corporate dude are talking and they're saying, oh, the metamorphosis is happening. During this process, he's he's going through all this stuff. The girlfriend or the lady is transferred to another building. She's told so by the uh, shitty security guard man, again, being mean to her now for no reason, and says, uh, this is what you get for fucking around with his pet freak, um, which I always love that in like 80s movies. Like, yeah, freak. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's always like one, you know, muscle head dude that's that's so pissed off at E.T. or Encino Man or whoever the fuck it is. I don't know if there's a muscle guy in E.T., but there probably was. Um, there's always those characters that just want to shit on everybody's good time. You know, Stoltz just wants to be a fly man. Like, that's all that's all he wants to do. And he wants to bang regular chicks. And that's cool. Like, that's, you know, whatever's fly. Is it? I don't know. What the I don't know what the right thing to say would be. But he tells her that she's moving across the thing, and he hands her a videotape. And later she calls Stoltz, and is like, "Hey, they have a video of us having sex." And he's like, "What?" And so he goes home, and this is one of the better parts of the movie. He starts freaking out and just tearing his apartment to shreds. And he finds apparently the camera because, of course, the evil corporate guy. Got him a got him his own apartment, but it's it's secretly you know being filmed and like all this other stuff. So I completely fell for it in the beginning. Like I I, I thought this dude was so nice. This actor is actually he's the best actor in this movie. Is the evil corporate man um, because he got he had me convinced that he wasn't a bad dude, but he totally is. So Stoltz finds the cameras. He finds this uh, hidden like VHS room where they're like keeping all the um, you know catalogs of all the you know, tapes over the years, and he stumbles upon a tape of Jeff Goldblum when he's, like, starting to look all monstery and talking about how, oh, my DNA must have been uh, combined, blah, blah, blah. So then the main dude knows, you know, that he knows what's going on and um, that he's about to, you know, potentially be a fly. Applied person? Maybe that's the most PC thing to say. So then Stoltz escapes and is running around the facility, runs back into the shitty security guard man, who makes another snide remark saying, like, oh, you, you know, your girlfriend's got a nice ass, <laughs> and all this stuff. And he punches him. The security guard punches Martin Stoltz in the face knocks him down, and so now I'm like, okay, here's where we get the crazy fucking punch through the guy's head, like wild carnage, gore, you know, practical effects laden weirdness that this movie, that I felt like I was promised by this movie but he just gets up and grabs him by the collars and lifts him up like, oh, I can't believe what's happening, like the old fucking bit. Drops the guy, or throws him through the window, and then just runs past him. And it was so disappointing. So then um, the corporate guy is trying to unlock 
the computer for the telepod stuff. Some sort of password on it, and it's re- referencing a magic word or whatever. And the very last line he said was "clever boy," which you know, like clever girl. I thought that was, uh, I thought that was cool. So, yeah. Um, so that's where we're at. There's, uh, I think, like forty-four some minutes left. So I'm just gonna finish the movie. Um, I was glad to to hear one of them call him Marty. I was, I was disappointed that the folks on IMDb beat me to the to the correlation between the two films thought that that was a dynamite analysis piece there and just you know i feel like a now i feel like a fly man not the best a little bit disappointing so far i I just i need this last 45 minutes to have you know fly man action so far it's just been kind of depressing fly man like sadness and longing for melted dogs and scientist ladies. I don't know. Um, So anywho, we're going to finish the last 45 minutes. All right, so I just finished the movie, and where we left off, the corporate man was trying to get the password or something to unlock the telepods to do whatever. Eric Stoltz took off. Uh, Right after that, there was a hilarious scene when he was leaving the facility he went to go to his girlfriend's place and apparently she lives on a houseboat i don't even think they established that before so he goes to like the marina or wherever and then sees her boat there's like a locked gate and instead of just like trying to break it down he just jumps over it and can like almost fly apparently um i mean i guess he is a fly but you know he just goes like Wee! and just floats over um <laughs> really Really weirdly. Anyway, um, and he gets over there, and Stoltz is starting to look real bumpy now in the face. He, he has, like, thick prosthetic on his face to make him look real weird. If you've ever seen the TV show Buffy the Vampire Slayer, it's like when the vampires get really, you know, uh, bitey, and they almost look, and they start to make, like, lion roars and shit. That's what he kind of looks like. What's funny is that I've already, like, I wrote down in my notes in the, I may have already said it, but and and obviously Stoltz has the connection to Michael J. Fox, but he looks like Michael J. Fox. It's it's weird, um, and it just you know normally in this movie he does, and then when he has this makeup on to make him look more like a monster or whatever, like he's slowly changing into the fly, he looks like Michael J. Fox in the prosthetics for Teen Wolf, so. Yeah, it's interesting. Anyway, so so they go on the run. The girlfriend and Stoltz go on the run. And for some reason, they go and find this guy who was... He was in the first sequence when he was looking down at the pregnant woman. And they go to his house. And it had been so long since I'd seen the original Fly, I forgot that that guy's in that movie. And he plays like the boyfriend of Gina Davis. And so they go to him... There's this whole sequence of them being at his house, doing whatever, and he just tells them that Gina Davis killed Jeff Goldblum with a shotgun, and that there's no cure for whatever he has. And that's all the information he really gives them. And so this whole sequence is dedicated basically just to that. And it it gets to something that I'll, you know, maybe gripe about a little bit later too, but this movie, along with the Jeff Goldblum, um, you know, splices of 
old footage from the first film to kind of just give it that tie-in, you know? This is another one of those examples where they feel like they have to make it associated with the first film by shoehorning in this guy who I'm sure was not a big character in the first movie. I mean, maybe he was a tiny bit, but he has done absolutely nothing. His time in this movie is really strange because at first he's like, no, don't come into my house. Your father melted off my hand and foot. Um, You know, get the fuck out of here. And then he goes, oh, but here's my Jeep. They'll be looking for your car. And so he just gives them his Jeep. Like what? Like (laughs) there's so many like, strange uh acts of kindness in this movie so far and then just completely shitting on people so i don't really understand but he he rattles off um one of the stupider lines of the movie when he's talking about how his dad uh you know uh, stole his girl and all this stuff and he goes he bugged me and and there's like a little pause as if it's supposed to be like <laughs> like you could tell in the theater in 1989 some fucking you know <laughs> older guy was probably catching a matinee or whatever and if he happened to be in there with him he would have been like at that one line you could just tell um but anyway that was uh, so that was fun they then go to a hotel where they check in again just another like kind of longer sequence than it really needed to be they check in it, it you know they see their name on the you know the TV that's on in the lobby saying you know wanted fugitives or whatever the classic movie trope the guy checking them into the hotel sees it but it's like meh maybe I'll ignore it maybe I won't then Eric Stoltz freaks out runs across the street in the weirdest posture possible um, I can't describe it to you and he gets into a you know patch of long grass in a field and they cry about the situation and it's like well you know that you didn't need this. So much, like, unnecessary stuff. So the next morning, or, like, in the middle of the night, uh, the girlfriend gets up, and he's, like, full-on turning into, like, a lizard man. She ends up turning him in to the corporate guy, facility, place, the company, whatever the fuck they are. They come and get him. By the time they bring him back to the lab, he's, like, building himself a cocoon. or he's like He's, like, metamorphosizing, or just something is going on. So he's built into he's built himself into this weird cocoon. They start running tests on it. They you know kind of fuck with the girlfriend some more, you know, telling her the whole diabolical plan, but really all it is is he's just just that he was like the next stage in evolution or just I don't know, just that classic thing where they, you know, they probably wanted a weapon to fight the Russians because that's every plot in every 80s movie pretty much. But he explains that while um, the cocoon finally breaks open and outspurts the final form of Stoltz, which is not even really like a fly. It's almost just like a lizard guy, like something out of an old episode of Star Trek. And or like it's a mixture of that with like Leviathan, if you've ever seen that. And it's not what I was expecting at all. I mean, it's it's pretty lame. It, it looks pretty stupid, but he kills a few scientists. He uh, kills a security guard, not the not the most evil one, but he kills just like a random crony by shooting the you know dissolving stuff on their face. And I know that happened in the first movie a couple times, 
but he hits this guy in the face with it and his face starts melting off and he starts like screaming and it's like his skull kind of comes through. It's the most impressive part of the effects in this whole movie. And it sadly only lasts for a couple seconds, but it's pretty cool. Like as far as, you know, like in Indiana Jones and some of these other movies where people's faces melt off or their heads melt off and shit, you know, like uh, Poltergeist, like stuff like that. It actually looked pretty good. Like the guy screaming, it looked like a skeleton screaming, and like I don't know. Um, so that was pretty cool. A guy gets pushed under an elevator and crushed. His head just like pops. Then, uh, yeah, he's just he's just wreaking havoc on the facility while the girlfriend and the corporate guy just like wait to see what happens. They kind of lock themselves in to the one room with the telepods. The shitty security guard that messed with them the whole movie accidentally shoots one of the scientists and he falls off like a balcony and hits the ground and it's got some of the best like dummy work i've seen in a movie in a long time uh in the worst way like i was laughing at it but it was at least entertaining and then he gets uh his like back snapped or just like something bone crunching thing and then he gets tossed around as a dummy which again (laughs) is funny um so yeah and so then the uh the last shot of the movie is Stoltz <laughs> the Stoltz monster coming after corporate guy and the corporate guy finally has some pistol or something like that and is like you know I'll I'll kill you if I have to and like I'll do all this stuff when he like the whole time was pleading everyone don't kill him we need him like, just try to bring him in alive. And meanwhile, he's melting people's faces and, like, breaking their spines. It's like, dude, what do you think is going to happen? So he shoots him a couple times. He thinks he's dead. He gives the whole speech of, oh, I loved you, Martin, blah, blah, blah. Then all of a sudden, oh, he's alive. He grabs him. Uh, then he takes him over to the telepod area where a little bit earlier in the movie they mentioned that he tried to run the numbers and say if he could teleport himself to the other pod, could he, like, uh, mess with his own genetics to get out of him the flyness or whatever um not not like man you so fly like not that flyness but you know insectness um they tried to get that out of him and he said the only way to do it is if he had another person there to like sacrifice their life for so he mentioned that ominously so then he grabs the corporate guy kind of takes him around the neck and drags him into the pod they close the door. He gets teleported to the other pod. And what comes out is the really grotesque half-corporate guy, half-full-on Stoltz monster, which is even more gross and melty and, like, ugh, fucked up looking. It's like the dog from before, but, like, a human. Um, and it's really pretty gross. Um, finally, the gross factor in this last, like, 20 minutes is taking off. And he's pretty gross. He comes he comes crawling out of this pod. It's fuck it's disgusting. He's like has a really long torso. Looks almost like a worm or something. And you hear Eric Stoltz go, ooh, ooh. And the girlfriend's like, Martin, are you alive? And she he like starts to like pull free from the like, you know, skin or whatever of the main monster and he's just like covered in like sinew and like gore and just gross shit he's like a newborn baby but you know he's it's eric stoltz (laughs) and he's 
And she's like hugging him and like looks like she's almost ready to kiss him. And then it cuts away. Shows a little bit later the same kind of cage prison cell that the melted dog was in earlier is now containing of the corporate guy awful amalgamation creature. And they're feeding him the same food and all that. And these scientists are watching from above. And it's slow and it's zooming into his grotesque face, but then as it zooms in, it pans down a little bit to show a little fly on the edge of the dish, and then we fade to black. So there is no real like denouement about um, Martin and his girlfriend. You're to assume that I guess he's okay. They don't show anymore than they're just in them kissing while he's, you know, gooey and all that shit. But the ending of the corporate guy being like the new subject for experiment is actually pretty cool. I, I, for as much as this movie did kind of suck, I feel like that was actually a decent ending, sort of. I wish it had a little bit more with the two characters, the guy and the girl, but it felt like this movie meandered for a whole hour or maybe more until it got to finally his transformation, and then the movie sort of took off, although it still tried to draw out way too many scenes. But that's when I was the most interested. The last 20 minutes really does feel more like a horror film. It has like, you know, people entering rooms where they know the monster is and they're looking around corners. Is he there? Is he there? Oh, no, he was above you the whole time. Like, you know, type of stuff that like tension. But the rest of the movie didn't have that. It felt really strange. I made a note at one point, instead of being like a sci-fi movie with a horror bent, and, you know, a little bit of drama for character development. It was more a drama with a tiny bit of sci-fi element and no horror. It was just, it didn't have the combination that I really wanted. It took, like, you know, his character at the same time too seriously, like in his, some of his moments, like more dramatic moments, like realizing he was, you know, being videotaped and, you know, all, all these things, his relationship with her and feeling betrayed when, you know, the guys had the dog or whatever. Like, th- it had those moments to try to build it up, but it never really gave a lot of substance. There wasn't, like, good character development for anyone. So you didn't really care what was going on the whole time, or at least I didn't. And it needed more of a of some sort of plot. The whole time, you, you know, because it's a sequel and you know that he's clearly not a human or he's like part fly or whatever you know that something's gonna happen or hopefully something's gonna happen with that it just takes way too long to get going so so my rewrite would be potentially to make it a little bit shorter but just to add you know some sort of plot in the in the middle of the film to go on like have it have it be you know, one of those tropes where the guy's trying to harness him as a weapon for some reason, or, you know, the corporate guy has this in mind for what's happening. It never really tells you his plan other than he's like, well, I want him, like I want to keep him. And for for what reason, I don't know. And of course, we can all put together what it probably is, but it doesn't drive that plot at all in the movie. It just it, it just sort of bleh, it just it just sort of happens at the end and if they gave it some more to go on it just felt like we were watching this guy live his life it, it felt like the first fly again 
you know, but but without the tension or the body horror element that was so great about the first film, it, it just it's like hey would wouldn't it be cool to see another guy maybe slowly turn into a fly although in this situation he's a fly first you know he's he's born a fly it's like okay what's the fucking difference and that you know that's what this movie tried to do and it tried to i guess just cash in on the name the fly and just say hey you know once more around the block i guess and let's just have a guy slowly turn into a fly although at the end he didn't even really look like a fly he looked like a fucking you know demigorgon or just some shit like i don't i don't know what it was but i think there were a few good kills at the end and it was it was kind of entertaining that last 20 minutes but it was not the the journey there was not worth the destination at all um it fell fell short on a lot of things i think it's it sadly becomes one of those movies that's more right smack dab in the middle where it's not bad enough to be a good bad movie and be silly and ridiculous and it's not good enough to just be a good movie so yeah uh, a disappointment i would not recommend watching um unless you're just die hard like if you're just like a die hard practical effects fan if you want to fast forward to the last 30 minutes go right ahead um i i say that would probably be you know the only way i could recommend it is is, is for that uh, but if you're just looking at a movie to to actually watch for real or even to just make up fun of with your friends just find something else well there you have it there's the recap of the fly 2 and i hope you enjoyed uh i hope you enjoyed me summarizing this crappy movie so that maybe you can avoid it and yeah, if you have any recommendations for movies for me to watch in the future to do this with, uh, get at me on Instagram at Rewrites Podcast and let me know what you want to see. And uh, let me know if you disagree with my um, you know, problems with The Fly 2. Do you think it's a, a practical effects masterpiece? Do you think it's um, better than The Thing? Or... Uh, I don't know the labyrinth. I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, what other? Uh, I I don't know why those are the two practical effects movies that popped into my head. But um, yeah. I mean, if you if you disagree, let me know, and we'll you know we'll we'll figure it out, dude. Don't don't be so defensive. Once again, I've been Nathan, and thank you for listening. So come on down to Ray Robinson.